0: Okay. Show me again, Sandy. Compare. Yeah, what is that one? Nothing compares. No, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. I love that. It makes me cry every time. I try not to cry but it makes me cry. Hey Susan, could you close the door please? Okay, I I mentioned to you several times, I don't know, multiple times, a couple of weeks ago, that if you had a question or topic you wanted me to preach on, let me know. That doesn't necessarily mean I will preach on it, but I might. And someone asked me the question about the Bible. How how can we, as Christians, um, and I know some of you know this, some of you don't. And for those of you that don't, uh, it's important. And for those of you that do, it's a good question. refresher course. I don't know if you've... uh, So I'm not really going to preach from the Bible. I'm going to preach on the Bible. Okay? So I'm not going to preach from a text like I normally do. Uh, How many of you have been on our website? If if you've been on our website, it says this. This is is our mission statement. To spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples. I stole that unashamedly from John Piper. I told him I was going to. He said, no problem. So... um, And then we expand on that just a little bit, and we say this, we join God the Father in magnifying the supremacy of His glory through our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit by treasuring all that God is, loving all whom He loves, praying for all His purposes. And here's what I want you to hear, this part that we're going to focus on tonight, meditating on all of His Word, okay? On our website, you'll see 20 values, values in our corporate worship values in our ministry values in living together as Christians and all those values have one thing in common does anyone know what they have in common other than Nelson because he heard me preach this this morning Huh? alright they're all supported by a biblical text okay thank you Laura they're all supported by a biblical text another thing that you'll see on our website is this we affirm the authority and sufficiency of Scripture the 66 books Of the Old and New Testaments alone are the trustworthy, infallible, inerrant Word of God. This church has made a conscious and deliberate decision. We stand on the Word of God. We don't stand on the counsels of men. We stand only on the Word of God. And we preach and teach only from the Bible. That is the decision of this church and that is who we are at the International Church of Milan. So do we say these things because it's simply proper, and it's simply right, and it makes us sound real religious out on the web? Is that why we say these things? Well, of course it's right to say these things, and it's proper to say these things. But I think most of you know that many denominations today, if not most, have left the Word of God. Now, they'll, they'll preach from a, a text if it says something they like. But if they don't agree with the text, they won't use it. So many, many, many uh, churches that still call themselves Christian do not submit to the authority or the Word of God. And I was going to ask you this question. How do you think preachers and pastors and elders and bishops and priests and popes get away with that? How do you think they get away with that? Because you and I don't know the Word of God. Because the vast majority of those who profess to be Christians are biblically illiterate. And this is how men can lead whole congregations down the wrong path. Because the congregation is biblically, in many, many places, biblically illiterate. Paul warned Timothy about a day, and we're in that day, okay? 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from truth and will turn aside to myths. And I want to say to you, it's been my experience that that is the vast majority of churches that call themselves Christian they've left the Word of God again they'll use it when it suits their agenda but when it runs contrary to their agenda they will ignore it and uh, it's a tragic tragic day that we live in and and that's all another sermon I'm not going to pursue that any further that is another sermon so is it just right and proper for us to say these things is this why we say it no we say it because we believe it And we say it because we love it. We say it because in the Word of God we discovered Him for whom we were created. And He fills our heart up. That's why we say it. And we know know the most important thing we can say as a church is get into the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. Abide in the Word of God. Live in the Word of God. Do the Word of God. I would never stand up here and waste your time with, with the words of men. I never would. It's a waste of my time. I would never stand up here and just give you my opinion. That's a waste of your time. Friends, we need to hear what God says. And you know what? We need to hear what God says. And you know what we need to do? We need to do what God says. Even if it's hard. Even if it runs counter-culture to, to the way the culture is moving. And many, many times it will. But we need to be Christians. We need to be real Christians. We need to be able to say, this is what the Bible says. We need to live it. And we need to proclaim it. So we say these things because we love the Word of God. Peter was right. Jesus, You have the words of life. You alone have the words of life. I've told you this many times. I'd love to have 10,000 people out here. I really, really would. But never at the expense of the truth. You know, many, 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 many churches where I'm from in the States... They draw huge crowds because they don't preach, they don't really don't preach the gospel anymore. It's I'm okay, you're okay, oh, here's how to be prosperous. It's the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. God wants, wants you to be rich, and God's going to give you a Rolex and a Mercedes, and God's going to do this. You know, it's all about you, and God's here to serve you, and that's the way the gospel's preached in many places in the States. And they draw huge crowds, and I'd love to draw a huge crowd, but the only reason I'm going to draw a huge crowd is because people want what God says, because that's what we're going to do here. We're always going to do it. And I, I can't engage in ministerial malpractice, which that is what... When, when, when pastors stop preaching from the Word of God, it's ministerial malpractice. That's what it is. You, you, you can't explain it away. That's what it is. So I, I want to say this, and I know you know it, I've said it before, we do not edit God in this church. So when it's hard, when it runs uh, counterculture, when it sounds difficult... We're still going to teach it. We're still going to preach it. We're still going to hold to it. And uh, we don't edit God in this church. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The word is a lamp unto my feet. And what? A light unto my path. The word is very pure. Therefore, I love it. And I love this. Thy statutes are my songs. This is all in Psalm 119. Go read it. I rejoice at thy word as one who has found great spoil. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your word. I love this last one. I will run the way of thy word because thy word will what? It will enlarge my heart. It will enlarge my heart. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You real Christians sitting out there, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You know how the word of God enlarges your heart so today I'm going to teach on the Bible and not from the Bible because some of you may have legitimate questions very legitimate questions such as where did the Bible come from how did it take its present form who determined what books would be included in the Bible did any of the books of the Bible get lost Um, who wrote the Bible was it God or was it man has the Bible been protected from human tampering How close are today's translations to the original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic texts? Is there more scripture to come? Will there be a 67th book? Does the Bible really deserve the title of the Word of God? There are three basic views regarding the Bible in the world. The first one is the one that we hold the Bible is the all sufficient, trustworthy, infallible, inerrant Word of God. Now, what I want to say to you is I'm going to, from now, from this point forward, I'm going to teach more than preach. And you know the difference, right? Teaching is communicating fact and communicating truth. That's very important. Preaching is exhorting to act on that truth and that fact. So I'm just going to basically be teaching tonight. Um, So bear with me. The second view of the Bible is that uh, it contains some truth, but it also contains error. And this is where the vast majority of uh, much of Christendom is, um, professed Christendom. But that that view runs contrary to what the Bible says. It runs contrary to what the apostles say. It runs contrary to what the Lord Jesus says. It runs contrary to what the history of the church has asserted. That the Bible has some truth and some error. And then the third view is that the Bible is simply a book like any other book. And it has no uh, inherent uh, value over and above any other book or uh, personal relevancy. And what I want to say to you, this is a huge deal for you. Okay? This is like a huge deal for you. And I I cannot overstate how important it is for you to make the right decision about the Bible. Do you believe? And I'm just going to ask you, do you believe it's the Word of God? Do you believe it's inerrant and infallible? Do you believe it's trustworthy? Do you believe believe God uh, was able to give His Word to sovereignly chosen men and those men were... uh, uh, directed to record it and, and that they did record it, and that God has preserved it for you, do you believe that? I want to say to you, I can't overstate how important this is i can't I cannot overstate how important it is. How important it is, is it to you to know why you're here how How important is it to you to to know um, your destiny, your eternal destiny how important you know, we talked last week about the vast majority of the world chasing bubbles that bursts. How important is it to you to do what you were designed to do? To do what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says. To do the good works God has prepared for you. And we've talked about this so many times. When you're walking in those good works, how God fills up your heart to overflow. And how important are these things to you? This is why it's important that you make the right decision about the Word of God. Because I bet, there's, I bet there's more than one of you sitting in here who does not believe that this is the infallible and errant Word of God. You've been taught wrong. And, and I want you to walk out of here. And if you're not convinced that it is, I want you to start your own investigation. You know, have some, have some integrity. Have some intellectual integrity. If you don't believe this is the Word of God, go prove it wrong. And I... And I And I'm going to give you some evidence that this is the Word of God. But have some integrity if you profess to be a Christian. If you're not going to obey this, then go prove it wrong. But if you can't go prove it wrong, you better obey it. Okay? That's a challenge. That's just a challenge. Just a challenge. Let me draw this analogy and then I'm I'm going to give you some facts. This is how important the Bible is to you and me. So let's say your life depends on successfully traveling to a far distant destination, okay? Your, your life, your being uh, depends on you being able to, to successfully travel to this far distant destination. You've never been there. This is going through hostile territory. And you have to present yourself there as purer to a holy king, okay? Your life hinges on this. And oh yes, you have no food for the journey. And oh, yes, you have uh, no map. You have no compass. You have no shield. You have no weapon. You are blind in complete darkness, and you are painfully aware that you are not pure. This is how important the Bible is to you and me. Because the Bible is your food, the Bible is your map, the Bible is your compass, the Bible is your sword. The Bible is your light, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can stand before the unapproachable, consuming fire, holy God, pure. This is how important it is what you decide about the Bible. Some facts. The English word Bible uh, is derived from the Greek word that just simply means roll or book. Scripture is a term used in the New Testament for the sacred writings of the Old Testament. The Bible is a collection of 66 uh, books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. The Bible was written over 1,500 years by about 40 different authors, okay? These different authors in the Old Testament, they were either prophets, priests, or kings, or other leaders of Israel. Um, In the New Testament, the uh, the New Testament was written by either apostles or their associates or the half-brothers of Jesus Christ, okay? And there are no contradictions in the Word of God. I didn't say there are no mysteries, but there are no contradictions. And I love what John Newton, John Newton was that great pastor in England and he wrote Amazing Grace. This is what John Newton said. He said, I will put down all apparent inconsistencies in the Bible to my own ignorance. Listen, brothers and sisters. Don't ever stand in judgment over the Word of God because you can't understand it. Okay? Don't ever... This is one thing that bothers me about so many denominations out there because they stand stand over the Word of God and they stand in judgment over it. And they say, well, we like this part. It sounds pretty good, but we're going to reject this part. I tremble for men like that. I have to be honest with you, I tremble for men like that. Because everywhere in the Bible, when it talks about the Word of God, there's this this symmetry between God and His Word. And what you believe about the Word is really merely a reflection of what you believe about God. We're going to talk about uh, that a little bit more in a minute. But friends, of course there's mystery in the Word of God. The infinite holy eternal god is communicating with what finite temporal fallen sinful men and women how could there not be mystery and i want to say this to you and i told the morning services don't ever apologize for the mystery in the scriptures don't ever try to explain the trinity to anybody because you can't don't ever try Because you just bring the Trinity down. You can't explain the Trinity. There's an infinite number of things in the Scripture that are beyond our finite abilities to explain. Don't try to explain it. Embrace it, because this mystery is supposed to do one thing in you. It's supposed to evoke worship. Did you know that? Did you know that the mystery in the Word of God is to evoke worship in His people? And don't try to explain everything to your friends just smile and say that's my mysterious god and i can't explain it he's infinitely above me don't be don't ever don't explain what you can spl- explain explain what the the bible makes clear but don't try to explain more than you know you know this is where many heresies begin men trying to put too fine a point on things they don't fully understand okay the old testament it gives us an account of the creation, the fall of man, the history of Israel, and the promise of the coming Messiah. The New Testament gives us the ministry and words of the Old Testament promised Messiah, God incarnate, Jesus Christ. We see the cross, we see His atonement in the cross, His resurrection, His, and His burial resurrection, ascension, and we see the prophecy of His second coming. Uh, the Bible is called special revelation. Now there is something called uh, general or natural revelation. Does anybody know what that is? What, what is natural revelation? Anybody know? That's right. That's just God's fingerprint in the created order. God says in Romans chapter 1, I'm evident. I am conspicuous. Every man is without excuse. They know I'm here. I was talking to an agnostic uh, this week, a young Italian man. And we've been trading emails about this. And he goes, I'm agnostic. And I answered him back and I said, no, you're not. I said, God says you're not agnostic. God says you're not being honest. God says you know He's there. I said, you go read Romans chapter 1 and let's, let's hook up and meet and talk. So I, I said, go read Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. That's a good place to start if you think you're an agnostic. And I, told him, I, just, I just flat out told him, I said, you're not an agnostic. You're not. You know God is there. God says that you know that He's there. So let me just talk. I'm going to go through here pretty quick. and I'm just going to give you some kind of technical terms. You've probably heard most of these before. But I'm just going to try to go through. This is a... This is just a teaching exercise, but I want you to hear these things. I think it's very important that we take time out sometimes to talk about these things. So how did God get His Word to us? Here's how simple it is. The God that spoke a billion galaxies into existence, the God that upholds all those galaxies, the God who says He's the sovereign governor of of all that there is, He chose men... And He revealed Himself to them and they recorded His message. That's how simple it is. God sovereignly chose men. He revealed Himself to them. He revealed Himself to Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah and and all the rest. And He revealed Himself and His Word to these men. And it was recorded through a process called inspiration. Now let me give you a proper definition of inspiration. Inspiration is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon divinely chosen men to compose and record without error God's revelation. I want you to understand this. Inspiration is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon divinely chosen men to compose and record without error God's revelation. God's revelation flowed through these men, through their minds, through their hearts, through their emotions They were wholly engaged. But they're not inspired humans. I want you to understand that. This is not inspired humans writing the Word of God because the Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16-17 all Scripture is inspired by God. So God is simply giving His message to these men and they are simply recording His message. Okay? You need to understand that. It's not brain-dead dictation. The men are involved, but God is giving His message to these men. Scripture is inspired by God. Peter explains this a little more. Second Peter 1, verse 20 and 21. He says this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of a man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit of God. Okay? A little more insight on inspiration. A little more insight there. So the Bible has been protected um, in its original autographs by the Holy Spirit. Now let me talk about uh, the canon. The canon is just the word for the Bible, the complete Bible. It's just another word for that. Uh, so let me talk about that. There are three widely recognized principles used to determine whether a book was divinely inspired or not. Um, first, it had to be written by a recognized prophet priest or king or leader of Israel with regard to the Old Testament and with regard to the New Testament it had to be written by an apostle or an associate of an apostle or the two brothers of Jesus are the only exceptions and then Hebrews we don't really know who humanly wrote Hebrews but it's so in line doctrinally with both the old and New Testaments that the church uh, found it to be divinely inspired so there are, there are um, uh, books written that are not written by an apostle. I'll just tell you, uh, Luke uh, was not an apostle, but he wrote Luke and Acts, and he was the penman of Paul. Okay, Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark, and he was the penman of Peter. James and Jude were the half-brothers of Jesus Christ, and again, we don't really know humanly who wrote the book of Hebrews. The second thing about that is that the writing could not disagree or contradict previous scripture. This was another test of uh, inspiration. And lastly, the writing had to have a general consensus by the church that the book was inspired. You know, I was talking with Laura uh, this week about, uh, and I know you guys have heard about the so-called lost gospels of Thomas and uh, Judas and others. Listen, (laughs) there's a reason why they were lost. (laughs) Okay? Okay they were rejected by the early church. They are not divinely inspired. In fact, when you read them, I think uh, someone used the word ooh. There's the ooh factor here. Because you, you, clearly, you can clearly discern this is not the Word of God. Right? So, they were lost for a reason. They were discarded. They were worthless. They were not from God. So when you hear this lost gospel, that's just a misnomer. So how did the, how did we get the Bible in its in its final form? The Council of Carthage in 397 put its stamp of approval on what the Church had already decided. I want you to understand this: this council did not say, "Well, we like this book, we'll take it. We like that book, we'll take it. No, we don't like this one; it's out." That's not what the council did. The council simply put its stamp of approval on what the church had already decided in the previous four centuries. They had, the church had already put its stamp of approval on this canon. This is the Word of God and it speaks to us. This is genuine. This is, this is from the Lord. And all the council did was say, yes, we recognize the canon that the church has already chosen for itself so how can we be sure that the bible has maintained its integrity no what was the what was the thing that satan attacked when he came after adam and eve does anybody remember what was the thing that 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 satan said indeed did god really say you're not to eat of the tree so the very first thing satan attacked was was the word of god right and of course he's still doing that he's still doing that and we know that at best, the world at large tolerates the Bible, and at worst, it hates the Bible. It hates the message of the Bible. So, has the Bible um, has the Bible uh, survived all of that all of that adversarial energy? And the answer is yes. Isaiah forty verse eight says this. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And I'm going to give you a new I could give you about eight verses here, but I'll just give you one more from the New Testament for the sake of time. Peter says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable but imperishable. That is true, that is through the living and abiding word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides. I have to say this to you again and I may say it two more times or three more times. (laughs) If God can speak a billion galaxies into existence, if God's that powerful, this is a very, very, very small thing for God to do. To give His Word to His people and to preserve it intact. And what I want to say to you is, if you, if you don't believe that God's able to do that, I don't believe you believe He's God. Unless you have some goofy cartoon uh, definition of what, what a God should be. Of course God can protect His revelation to His people. Of course He can. And I want to say to you, There's this low view of God in the church at large. And this is what gives rise to the fact that we're going to discount His Word. And if you begin to discount His Word, you mark it down. If you have a low view of Scripture, you will have a low view of God. And I can't think, I'll be honest with you, I can't think of a greater insult to God. Oh, God, we don't believe you're able to preserve your revelation to us. I'm not sure if I can think of a greater insult to Him. I'm really not. And so your view of Scripture is a mirror image of your view of who you believe God to be. Let me give you some comments about transmission and uh, translation. Uh, The Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek over a period of 1,500 years. Uh, So how can we be sure that uh, even unintentional error hasn't crept in? Uh, I had to study this in seminary, and it was a little bit boring, but it was invaluable it was invaluable for me, and I'm just going to share it with you very briefly. There's a science called textural criticism. And what this science does, it has discovered, preserved, cataloged, and evaluated every known existing fragment of the Bible. And I think you know that uh, the, the fragments of the Bible greatly outnumber any other ancient text. And I think you know, too, that no other ancient text has been, ever been scrutinized to the degree that the Bible has been scrutinized, ever. No other text could stand up to the kind of scrutiny that the Bible has been subject to. So these, these scientists, these textual critics, they take all of these things and they're looking for discrepancies, omissions, and errors. Okay, let me just talk about the Old Testament very quickly. Uh, the oldest Hebrew text that exists intact is from the 10th century A.D. But we know we have an intact Hebrew text Because of two things. Does anybody some of you may know what one of them is. Anybody ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered in forty seven through fifty-four or fifty-two? They pardon me? Yeah, nineteen forty seven. And and so and and they substantiate that this this text is correct. We have a correct Old Testament. But there is there's even one other evidence that supports uh, this Masoretic text. And it's the Septuagint. Have you ever heard of the Septuagint? Okay, the Septuagint is just the, cre- the Greek translation of of the Hebrew Old Testament. And both the Septuagint and the Dead Sea Scrolls date back to 200 B.C. Okay, so we have, we have verification that we have a valid Old Testament going back to 200, um, 200 B.C. Okay, there is no debate among true... Uh, textual scholars, there's no debate. We have an accurate Old Testament sitting in our laps. Okay? And let me talk about the New Testament. There are over 5,000 Greek New Testament manuscripts in existence. And New Testament scholars have generally concluded that 99.99% of all the original writings have been reclaimed. Okay? And of that one one hundredth of one percent uh, that is subject to some question, it does not affect any biblical doctrine okay so what God has done is amazing for his people God has preserved his word for his people the scientists have proven it and if you don't believe it you go study it for yourself I challenge you you go study it for yourself okay the Old Testament and New Testament have been extraordinarily preserved and you have an accurate copy sitting in your lap. So let me talk about translations just for a second. What about English translations? Well, there are hundreds of them. Some of them are great. Some of them stink. Okay? Some of them are just bad. And I'm not going to give you a whole laundry list here, but let me just say that the best ones, in my opinion, the best ones, in my opinion, are the King James, the New King James, the New American Standard, which is what I preach from. The New American Standard is the most literal from the Greek and Hebrew, And then there's a relatively new one out called the English Standard Version. I have not studied it, but men I trust have studied it, and they say it is excellent. Okay? Some of you have an NIV. The NIV is generally good, but we even talked about just last week how uh, the NIV translators inserted a word that's not in the Greek text. Okay? And that's always problematic when men start inserting words that are not in the Greek text. So, is the canon closed? Is there going to be another book? Is there a 67th book on the way? The answer to that is no. And I'll give you you a few observations. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, it closes history. It takes us into eternity future. We have the whole story. It talks about the Lord Jesus' return. Uh, Secondly, I'd say to you, there are no prophets or apostles left to actually uh, record uh, another book. And the early church, the men who were closest to Jesus Christ, the men who were closest to the apostles, they concluded that the canon was closed with the Revelation. Okay? Uh, and then in Scripture Jude three says this: contend earnestly for the faith which was once for which was once for all delivered to the saints. There will be no sixty seventh book. We have the full revelation of God. And I've said this to you many times. It's very important you understand this. This is not God's explanation. He's not explaining himself to men. God has not explained himself to men. This is God's revelation. Okay. I want you to understand that. Don't ever get confused. God's not explaining himself. God gives it, he doesn't give an account to men. I know I've said this to you a hundred times. I'm going to say it to you one thousand more times as long as I'm here. God does not explain Himself to His creatures. But God graciously reveals Himself to His creatures. And that is what this is. That is what this is. So does the Bible claim to be the Word of God? Yes, over four thousand times. Over four thousand times, the Bible claims to be the Word of God of God and let me say this one more time the person of God and the Word of God are everywhere interrelated and almost synonymous and if you discount the Word of God you are discounting the author of the Word of God I just I I can't say that any more plainly and I wanted to repeat that to you one more time so what you believe about scripture really reflects what you believe about God and I want to say these men who say well You know, the Bible has some truth in it, but it's got some error in it too. And I want to say to you that this is not a defensible position. I think it lacks intellectual integrity. Because on the one hand, they say, well, God's God, but He's pathetic. He couldn't hold His Word together for His people. That's how pathetic He is. And so, in my mind, you you might as well say, He's not God. And you might as well say, the Bible doesn't matter at all. Right? Right? To me, it's just an indefensible position to say that, 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 that God is God, but he, he couldn't hold His Word together for His people. You remember what the proverb says? God holds the King's heart in His hand. And what? He turns it whichever way He will. Friends, you're, I hope, after sitting in this church for a little, a little while, that you have this huge view of God. You have this huge view of God. And you realize no man could temper with the word of God. No man could tamper, no man could get between us and God. No man could get between the people of God and God. No man could do that. Our God is sovereign. And our God is, as it says in Isaiah, I've told you this many times too. What does, what does the text say? God says, I'm God. You're not? <laughs> I'm God. There's no one like me. There's no one beside me. I will do everything I purpose to do. God says, I will do all my good pleasure. And you know, you get in some of these churches that they don't teach the Bible anymore and they present this really low view of God and He's a frustrated God and He's up in heaven and He's wringing His hands. Friends, that's not Jehovah. That is not Jehovah God. God is going to bring history to a close exactly the way He desires. And the Lord Jesus will be magnified, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, even the damned. Do you understand this? Even the damned will bow a knee to Jesus Christ, even the damned in hell. Friends, you have the Word of God sitting in your lap. You have the Word of God sitting in your lap. And the challenge here for you is, is to believe it and to live it. And I've given you all the objective evidences. And I did pretty good. It's only been about 30 minutes. Um, <clears throat> I've given you all the, the uh, ob- objective evidences. Let me give you the subjective one. It's when you, as a believer, read the Word of God and He speaks to you. <laughs> Like the song says, the windows of heaven open up and He pours light into your heart. Now that's not an objective evidence, but that is a subjective one. One that if you're a Christian tonight, you have experienced. And I'll say to you, I was converted by simply someone reading the Word of God. I was a good little Baptist, been in the Baptist church all my life. Dad was a deacon. I've shared this with you before. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. I did all the things I was supposed to do. Went got baptized when I was eight like I was supposed to. I did all the religious stuff I was supposed to do. I wouldn't have given you five cents for Christ. I wouldn't have. I knew, I, I knew what I was supposed to say, but it was meaningless to me. One morning, sitting in church, cool things happened in church. One morning, sitting in church, some guy's just reading from the Gospel, and I hear Christ. I hear Him for the first time. I hear His Word. And I realize, if Jesus says that's what a Christian is, I'm not one. And I begin to pursue Him in the Word. And, and, And as you know, as many of you could testify, I begin to fall in love with Him. And it's been that way for me ever since I was 28 years old. So what I want to say to you, In the Bible, God is pulling back the veil. He's pulling back the veil. and He says, if you want me, come get me. This is really what the Bible... God is saying. He's pulling back the veil to sinful men. Men who have no business approaching a holy God. But God is saying, I've made atonement for you through my Son. If you want me, come get me. And we understand what the blind man says in John chapter 9. All of you who are Christians here tonight, you understand it. What did he say? Wherefore I was blind, but what? Now I see... Now I see. Now I see. I'm going to quote with a C.S., uh, quit with a C.S. Lewis quote and a, a scripture, and I'm done. But I love what C.S. Lewis says. You know, he, he had to fight through his atheism and his agnosticism, and he became a disciple of Christ. And this is what C.S. Lewis says He says, I've come to believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see that the sun has risen, but because by it I see everything else. Do you understand what he's saying? I've come to believe in Christianity because by it I see the truth. I see, not that I have omniscient knowledge and understanding, not that I understand everything, but it makes the most sense. The biblical worldview makes the most sense. Because by the Word of God, I have some understanding of the rest of the world and myself. And here's this great message from Paul uh, to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, and I'm through. And Paul writes this, And for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when You received from us the Word of God's message, You accepted it. Not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in all who believe. Amen. Let's pray. Father, You're an awesome God. You're not a frustrated or pathetic God at all. From Genesis chapter 3 on, you've been seeking your people. And you've been saving your people. And you've been revealing yourself to your people. Oh God, forgive us if we've been guilty of thinking lightly about the gifts you've given us in the Word of God. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us if there's a layer of dust on our Bibles. Forgive us that we've, we've not taken to heart all the sacrifice that went into the fact that we can have your Word in its entirety, in its integrity, sitting in our laps. Forgive us, Father, that we've been that we've taken this privilege, this lofty privilege for granted. Father, forgive us that that we may have been taught that your word has error in it. Forgive us, O oh God, if we've ever thought that or said that. Father, we repent from that. You're an awesome God, and you're a God that can give his word and preserve his word for his people. We know it. We don't doubt it for a minute. And oh God, we thank You for Your Word because by it we can, live, we can live abundantly. We can live outlandishly. We can live Hebrews 11 kind of lives because You're a promise keeper God. You don't say one thing and do another. You don't, you don't challenge your people to believe and then abandon them. You never forsake. Never forsake. You're a promise-keeping God. Father, help us claim those promises. Father, help us learn to live by faith. Father, help us learn to live like sons and daughters of God are supposed to live. Father, teach us to stand on Your Word. Teach us to stand on the rock. Father, to stand on the rock and to love the people around us and yet boldly proclaiming Your truth. Father, to love them enough to proclaim the truth. Not to compromise it or water it down, but to love people enough to give them Your Word. Father, we thank You for this awesome gift. We give all praise, glory, and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Ancient words ever true changing me.